up, everybody? You're listening to Salah's Corner with the one and only Salah Muhammad. So it's here, it's here, it's finally here. It's the moment everybody has been waiting for, but not quite really. Uh, the Mueller report, this report on the Russia-Trump investigation, how Russia played an influence on the election, what part did the Trump administration or at the time the Trump campaign play into Russia's meddling, into election hacking and influence in politics within America. This has been something that has been coming a long time. I mean, this this really started back in 2016. The investigation technically started back then, and it has evolved into a special counsel investigation where so many different people have been indicted. Some people have served and done their prison time while others are currently serving their prison time and other cases are still being fought out in court. So on today's episode, I'm going to break down the most important facets of it and what we need to look forward to long term within this report and how the country is responding to a moment like this. Um, We're going to take a step back and survey the landscape as a whole. I'm not going to dive too much into detail within the report. You can find the report on a number of different websites. Maybe we will uh, put a feature to the report accessible within the links on the podcast. Um, But I'm going to be sitting with none other than producer extraordinaire, Brie Wilson. She's going to help me break down a lot of this stuff and um, get a, a, a temperature of what is happening around the country with the release of this report and where do Democrats and Republicans in the country go from here on. I'm sure a lot of you are wondering how I make my podcast sound so crisp and clean. Well, I have to thank the folks at Rec Philly. They provide me the space, the time, and equipment to make this podcast happen. And it doesn't just end there. It's also an opportunity to connect with other creative individuals just like me. And not just other podcasters. I'm talking writers, musicians, photographers, anyone that considers themselves a creative individual. So if that's you, head on down to Rec Philly. It is super affordable. The memberships are great. And it's an opportunity to flex your creative muscles. If that's you, I hope to see you there soon. All right, Bree, what's going on? Nothing much. All right, so we finally got this Mueller report. And is it everything that you thought it would be? Actually, yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) I know a lot of people. I've been, you know, I spent the bulk of the day when it was released uh, watching different news reports. And then I finally decided that I was going to, uh, meanwhile, I was at work, but uh, I decided that I was going to download it myself and take my own notes and and screenshots of the report and kind of cipher through to see what I was able to take away from it and see if the reporting side of it and what the multiple news outlets were were saying about it was held true within the report. Are they going to re- talk about the facts and the details within the report or are they going to talk about like just a grand scheme of things and, and stuff like that? And I'm, I'm finding that a number of different news organizations um, are doing just that. They are sifting through line by line the report, which I think is fantastic and great. But then there are some that... Um, kind of skim it and are focused on moving on cherry picking right yeah yeah so on today's episode we're not going to go line by line in the report because it is 443 pages yes i did download the entire thing um but i figured we can survey the landscape and get an understanding of what is really going on within the country the response of this report um 
and just kind of like how did we get to this point because it's it's kind of crazy that it's just it's literally the next day and people are already just talking about all right moving on right and the report lays out some really jarring details that that the Trump administration and the Republican Party really has has done to erode democracy and erode the checks and balances that are in place. I mean, honestly, uh, I kind of feel like the Republicans have uh, set everything up beforehand, before the report came out, for the report to be nothing when it was finally released. And I think they were pretty successful at it. They, they uh, kind of downplayed it. The uh, attorney general downplayed it and now that it's been released it's kind of like okay this is why like the news media has to has to go line by line and and pull things out because they pretty much have just treated it like this isn't such a serious thing so yeah they really have and and i I think there's two track records within this report that i think is is incredibly important and i think only one has been resolved and that and i won't even say necessarily it's been resolved but in the standard of law it's been resolved the first track record is the criminal culpability was there something done by trump or any trump campaign officials or any other americans that helped russia hack U.S. elections that help Russia play a role into influencing political decisions within this country. By all accounts, the Mueller report has determined that there's not enough evidence to bring charges on those accounts. Fine. Let's put that to the side. The other side of the report is, yes, there may not be significant uh, evidence to bring charges to individuals, but there is significant evidence to show that government officials that are currently in office have done improper things with their power, abuse of power. And that's not necessarily a criminal charge, but that certainly should start some other investigations and determinations on whether these people should remain in office. And I don't think that has been decided within this report. And I don't think the country as a whole is ever going to decide that other than voting people out of office, which I don't think is enough. No, it's definitely not. I mean, people honestly don't even I don't feel like they fully grasp the the depth of destruction that has taken place with this whole not not just like the investigation but this whole administration and how we kind of go about looking at at politics and the way things are, are, the way our government is run. People are kind of looking at this report. Well, I, th- I feel like people were looking at this report as as a resolution to right. what happened with uh, the the whole Russia hacking into our election and and all that. And did Trump uh, play a part in it? And his did his uh, campaign play a part in it? And I think that people were looking at it like, okay, well, once this this report comes out, you know. Everybody's going to see that he was guilty. Everybody's going to see that, you know, that this person did this and this person did that. But that's kind of not what happened. Mm. And now that that is not what happened. And like I said earlier, I kind of feel like the Republicans set it up so that it would be seen as no big deal uh, once it came out. Now that that did not happen, where do we go from here? And like, I guess, like, I feel like people need to. They need to stop 
and look back on how we got here and what we actually like how do we participate in politics and how do we participate in in our government and not just sit back and let things happen? You, you truly hit the nail on the head when you talk about the negligence of the Republican Party and how they've allowed a governance and checks and balances to deteriorate in our society. So let's take a step back. Again, we're going to rehash a lot of this stuff that took place within our 2016 election because let's not us forget this was an attack on our country. This was an attack on our democratic systems by Russia and whether American citizens and people that benefited from that attack helped it get to this point in our political history. I want to take two different track records. Let's first learn and understand what took place within this Russia influence campaign. Russia has a company called the Internet Research Agency, the IRA. These are Russian citizens. These are Russian employees, Russian government employees who work for this Internet Research Agency. And in 2014, two years prior to the election, they started this agency and sent Russian citizens to America to infiltrate different political systems. They posed as American citizens. They held campaign rallies as American citizens. They started grassroots organizations posing as American citizens. They created thousands and thousands and thousands of social media accounts between Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter posing as American citizens. They were able to get different um, government officials, both Democrat and Republican, to retweet and reshare some of the misinformation that they were putting out there on social media, all so that they could infiltrate politics within the country and sway public opinion and amp up the tensions to make things as exaggerated as possible. It didn't just end there. They also had paid advertisements to further divide people by party lines um, by race lines, by class lines, to antagonize the American political system as much as possible. So, essentially, are you are were they like Russian spies, or was it? And it's not necessarily. I mean, I guess in a in a in a traditional sense, you could say that they are Russian spies. But ultimately, they they just they just pretended to be Americans, and they were working for a company called the Internet Research Agency. And that company did other things, but one of their main focuses was infiltrating media and infiltrating uh, data as much as possible. And they did that through social media campaigns, through holding fake rallies, to influence content online and social activity. And let's remember that this is not this is not fake news. Like this is this is a fact. Yes. Like, this so is this a is a fact. fact. This was I, this was on page four of the Mueller report. Um, and you, you know, I, I recommend you know some people fact check me. Go back and read it line by line. They talk about this internet research agency that was created by the Russian government, um, reported directly to Vladimir Putin, and how they sent Russians to America to pose as fake Americans and do all of these things that real Americans would do, all in an effort to antagonize our political system. In 2014, this was before Trump even announced he was running for president. So now that we have that 
established that that facet of this campaign to to harm our election process to harm our political process established it's important to understand some events that took place after that july 9th uh the infamous donald trump jr uh steve bannon paul manafort and a few other trump campaign officials uh, met with a russian lawyer that works for again vladimir putin within Trump Tower on how they could give them information that would help their campaign and hurt Hillary Clinton. Okay, so was was that the um was that the meeting that they lied about? That was and, the meeting that they yeah. lied that never took place. Yeah. And then when more information started coming out about it, they said it was only about adoption and it got up immediately and left. They lied about the number of people that were in attendance. They they just they they lied, lied about over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, all about this. And they, this is to Congress. They lied to Congress about this. This isn't just, you know, them putting out different spin stories, which is a law. It's it's a it's a federal crime to lie to Congress. Another thing took place in July of that month, and that was Donald Trump famously I'm sure a lot of you have seen the video of this already, getting out on stage and uh, saying but it would be interesting to see. I, I will tell you this. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. Let's see if that happens. That'll be next. Yes, sir. And what happened after that? Literally, like, hours later. They got hacked. They actually <laughs> hacked the campaign. Like that, And that's released the... <laughs> a whole bunch of classified information. That, that's the actual crazy part about this. They actually ended up hacking not just Hillary Clinton's campaign. Uh, they also hacked the Democratic National Committee and and spread information about them. You know, so... This isn't this isn't coincidence. This right. just can't be coincidence. <laughs> and even if it is, again, let's take a look at some other information. And something really, really important took place. Two things took place, actually, that I think are severely overlooked and really play a role into how we got to this moment. The FBI had meetings with both Hillary Clinton and uh, Donald Trump and told them that Russia was making attempts to hack uh, their campaign. They have seen um, information that shows that Russia was making multiple attempts to hack individuals within her campaign, whether it was advisors, whether it was campaign chairmen. Hillary Clinton had access to this information through meetings with the FBI. Donald Trump and his campaign had access to this information to show that Russia was playing a very crucial part in trying to gain as much information within our electoral system and process as possible. We didn't know the extent of it at the time, but both campaigns knew that this was taking place. Something else uh, took place, and that was in October of 2016. Uh, do you know what the Gang of Eight is? Nope. All right, so the Gang of Eight is a group of eight intelligence officials within Congress, four of them being Republican, four of them being Democrat. No matter who is majority control in Congress, there is always going to be four Republicans and four Democrats. And that is a combination of the majority leader in the Senate, the Speaker of the House, and then their counterparts from the other parties and the officials within the intelligence committees on both sides. Okay. They had a meeting with President Obama and Vice President Biden. Within that meeting, there was a consensus that 
Russia was making attempts to hack the election. Not that they were trying to support Donald Trump, not that they were uh, hacking specifically Hillary Clinton and they were the culprits behind releasing these emails, nothing other than they are making attempts to influence the vote and antagonize our election process. There was a consensus that that was happening. However, President Obama wanted to make a statement and say, Russia, stop. Stop doing this. There will be consequences. If you continue doing this, stop infiltrating our election process. Republicans did not want him to make that statement. And in fact, they said if he made that statement, they would come out against him and say that he was trying to be too political in this process. Even though they knew Russia was doing this, they decided to tell him not to make that statement. They weren't going to sign on that statement and they would speak against him if he made that statement. See, and 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 this is this is the stuff that kills me. Like, is that not super shady? Like, yeah. is that not super shady? So, that that's the type of stuff that makes me believe that you all knew what was going on and you didn't care. Like you didn't care because you knew that in the long run it was probably going to benefit your party. Right. And remember at the same time Donald Trump was also encouraging Russia to hack Hillary Clinton's emails. So, you know, imagine how that looks. You have a presidential candidate talking about uh hack my opponent. You have the president of that same party uh saying that Russia is is doing all of these nefarious things to infiltrate our election, it looks it looks political and it ties the hands of what we're able to do. And it starts the process of anything that looking into anything that Russia did as political and not just hurting our American political system. Right. Like the 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 thing that's crazy to me about all of this is that this information actually did end up coming out. Right. Right. And um, eventually we get to a point where it it's made known that Russia hacked into our election. It's it's a fact. Even after that happened, Trump still basically was like, uh, yeah, no, we don't know, you know, if it was Russia, right. it could have been China, it could have been some random fat man. Like, th- this is, like, legitimately the-, the things that were coming out of this man's mouth. It could have been, you know, some some random fat man uh, sitting in his bed on a computer. So, like, the manipulation started so early on, you know? Yeah. The, 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 like, curving... Um, our opinion on what was actually taking place started before he was even elected. It was it was kind of like uh, like he he made all of it into a joke. Yeah. You know, and and the thing that that's mind blowing to me about it is that he he made it into a joke. He he was very blatant with everything that he was saying. Like, who cares? You know, uh, any anybody else, anybody else, if they had sat there and said, hey, Russia, we were not. We'll put it this way on good terms with Russia. So for the most part, we never have been right. So anyone else, if they had said, you know, hey, Russia, uh, uh, can you do this for me? People would have been like, 
up in arms and been like, wait, what do you mean? What, what are you talking about? Russia? Like, why are you why are you reaching out to Russia? But he turned it into a joke. He would say this and people in the audience would would laugh. They would yeah. clap. And it wasn't just a bunch of talk. He actually asked that emails be found and hack into Hillary's campaign. And then it actually happened. And when it happened, it still was made into a joke. Yeah. And I, I, I go back to we know he we know he encouraged this behavior. You know, we don't know if there was any specific emails or talks shared on, uh, you know, what they what Russia was going to do or, you know, what Russia was capable of doing within the Trump campaign. But we know he encouraged this behavior within Russia. He encouraged Russian officials. He encouraged Vladimir Putin to infiltrate and sow discord within our political process. That's not a... Um, that's a fact. That is a simple fact of this whole equation. So knowing that he encouraged this behavior and then now is denying the impact that they had and denying the fact that they actually did what he asked them to do, it's it's kind of absurd. But what's even more absurd is half of our political system is choosing to ignore the role that Russia played. They are choosing to ignore the behaviors of this person, and it is ruining the opportunity to look into what really took place and ruining the opportunity to hold people accountable for the parts that they played into this. Yeah, you may not have personally hacked anyone's emails. You may not have personally reached out to Russia to talk about different ways that they can help your campaign. You may have not coordinated specific details so that you could become president. That may not necessarily be the case, but that doesn't mean you didn't encourage them to do so. And that is, is a problem when you are talking about the most powerful position in the country. That's a problem. And if we don't reconcile that, you know, what does this say for future presidents? What does this say for 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 the office of the presidency as we uh, move down the line? How do we get out of this moment where you can now get the benefit of foreign countries to win elected office and encourage them to do so and you remain completely innocent? So one of the, the words that you just used stood out to me and I I kind of feel like it's what sums all of this up. It's accountability. Like, where's the accountability? Like, we really need to hold people accountable for the things that they have done. And that's, I think that's one of the problems that we have right now um, with the way that this administration is, is doing things. Trump and just his administration, period, they are not being held accountable to the things that they, the decisions that they have made right. and the, you know, the, the things that he has said, the, the actions that have taken place, they have remained um, untouched, it seems like. Like, you know, I, I mean, honestly, there, there are some people that, you know, are are going to prison for for what they they did but the thing that is 
mind blowing to me is like, for instance, when Trump said, you know, please hack her emails, when he said that, and um, it happened, Julian Assange is the one that hacked the emails, right, and put them out there, yep. right, right. So no, no, Julian Assange didn't hack the emails, or no, he, he didn't was, hack. He released he was given them. the information. Yes, and... like he released them, right? So um, that happened years ago, and where is he now? Uh, in London, in jail, and about to be extradited to the United States, hopefully. Right. So he's about to be held accountable for his decision to put that information out there. But the person that actually requested that it be done, he, he's not being held accountable. Mm. So why is that? That's the thing that it makes it so that we, we really need to think about our role in all of this because as this stuff is happening like we're just sitting back and letting it happen and that it the why i feel is there's a a two-sided blame here i think part of it is complacency and um you know you said this earlier um i'm using one of your words indifference within Uh, American politics and Americans and voters and how we um, are knowledgeable about political events, how we are knowledgeable about uh, things that are happening and we are indifferent to it if it doesn't impact us directly. Even though it's something terrible that's taking place, even though it it may be an abuse of power, even though it, it harms the the stance of America on the world stage or the offense of the presidency or the the powers of Congress, even though it may harm that because it doesn't harm you personally, then we are very indifferent. That's just how our political process has seemed to, to come forward at this point. But the other blame, and I think the majority of the blame is the Republican Party. And I say that because I go back to that moment in October of 2016. Republicans knew Russia was trying to infiltrate our election, whether it was hacking different officials or um, doing other things within our political system to sow discord in the process. Republicans knew this. They know it today. They still know it today. And they know that Donald Trump was encouraging that behavior. And they chose to do nothing. They chose to act like it wasn't a big problem. They chose to pretend that Democrats were just upset that they lost. They chose to act like this is a hit job and it's a conspiracy. And what it did was allowed Republican voters to believe that this is all the way politics works and allowed people to approach this whole Russia scandal as if this is just politics as normal and uh, this is political tribalism and all of those things that you like to hear uh, that you hear people say this is just that but this isn't that this isn't tribalism this isn't a hit job this isn't a conspiracy Russia decided to hack and influence US elections Donald Trump encouraged that behavior Republicans ignored Donald Trump encouraging that behavior. Those are three simple facts. And if Republicans, if one of the major political parties within our government 
refuses to investigate and refuses to understand the abuses of power, the influence, and the control that is in place, it ruins any accountability that can take shape. And it ruins the ability for American people to understand how our political process is working. And while it may not necessarily be hurting an individual, it hurts our system as a whole. I mean, it, it, I, I think it does hurt our system as a whole, but then at the same time, it's kind of like, um, yeah, we can, we can put blame on the Republicans that, you know, let all this stuff go basically uh, to, you know, um, to gain whatever, you know, power they, they felt like they were going to gain after all this took place. But, um, I honestly like I I blame us like I I really blame us because we are too we're too indifferent like we're too indifferent we are sitting back and allowing um, all of these things to take place and kind of just like dealing with the consequences and when we deal with the consequences um, a lot of people um, are just like, oh, you know, like, this is crazy. I can't believe this is happening. Now this is going to happen. Now that's going to happen. But still don't do anything. We still don't even know how our own government works. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we like we don't even know um, how our government functions. And the thing about that is that we we have to know. In order for it to be run properly, we have to know. And one of the ways that the Republicans have been able to wield the power that they have so easily is that they know that we don't know. And and let let me let's be clear about something. I, I think, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound actually I don't mind sounding like I'm ragging on Republicans too much. Um, I have some very uh, specific things and feelings towards the Republican Party. But Democrats aren't, you know, innocent. And in this grand scheme of uh, Americans uh, that who, who American voters who actively engage in our political process aren't knowledgeable enough. I don't think the Democratic Party does enough when it comes to outreach and voter turnout and uh, registering new voters and educating new voters, because I think giving someone the, the tool to vote is uh, irresponsible if they aren't educated on that political system. So I don't think the Democratic Party does enough of that. But it can't be done by one party. And it's so detrimental if one party is is responsible for that while the other party is actively looking for ways to make it as confusing and as difficult as possible for people to understand what's happening within our government and our political systems. I think one of the things that um, like to, to touch on what you just said, like one of the other issues with the Democratic Party is not just um, that they're not doing enough, but they're doing the same things like over and over, like the same yeah, tactics, not, not same like, yeah, like it, it, you're 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 not just not doing enough, but you're repeating all of the other things that you've been doing for the past you know, couple of decades, whatever, like it, it, it's, it's 2019. Like 
Yeah. Change it up. <laughs> change your change your way of reaching out to people. Don't just do the same old. Oh, you know, like it, it, this. This kills me. Like when I'm watching the news, they'll be like, oh, you know, how are you going to reach out to the black voters? How are you going to like it, it's just the same old talk over yeah. and over and over again. And y'all, that's not getting you anywhere. So I think the the overall theme of this is like how how does Americans become more politically savvy so that we are not just voting for the right people um, and, and, and making sure that they are actually doing things that we represent, but we are uh, holding them accountable for performing their actual duties once they're in office and they aren't negligible in, in the responsibilities that they hold. I think that's a huge part of this is you know, we we expect them to just go in and create jobs or we expect them to just go in and, and do things specific to our community and not understand the full scope and responsibilities of their functions. And I think that is a huge understanding problem with American voters. Right. We, we need to um, know our power. Yeah. Like, no, we need to know our power and, and use it. And I think that a lot of people um, think that that means, you know, you have to go out to um, to to protest or or, you know, to city council meetings or you it, because a lot of people I feel like they, they say, oh, well, I don't have time for that. I don't you know, I, I don't have time for this and I don't have time for that. Okay, well, if you don't have time to to do those types of things and to actually be active, you can just learn the learn about the power that you have. That like that's actually not that hard. That's not yeah. that doesn't take a whole lot of time. You can Google that. <laughs> like yeah. you know what I mean? Like you can you can Google it and just make it so that when it comes time to vote for someone, when it comes time to, and, and not just the president, but in your own city, when it comes time uh, to, to vote judges into to, um, to office or, you know, city council, city council into office, that um, you actually know what it is that they do and what their, their purpose is in your own city. Like, because I think that we have a, we have a tendency to think of things on a grander scheme. And because we do that, we only think about presidency. And at that point, like, um, even though the president is the president, we are more affected by who we vote into office in our own cities. Um, I think just taking a, a some of this conversation, um, I hope a lot of people end up taking this moment and like understanding that the problem is uh, the problem is multifaceted, obviously, but uh, the solution isn't going to rest within Congress. The solution isn't going to rest within uh, the president or Republicans. The solution is going to be how engaged are Americans going to be as we move forward in politics. Right. And that's going to be the real test to how we get out of this crazy moment that we're living in. And this is and this is this is the time for it. Like this is the time for us to be engaged. It's I feel like. Um, we're about to have uh, 
a movement, like a, a, a real movement, uh, because uh, we have been complacent for too long and um, it's starting to affect us. And, um, and you know, it's, it's, it's time for us to, to wake up and, and recognize our, our own individual power. All right. That's it. We're going to end this on this somber note. Oh, is it somber? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Really? Yeah. I don't feel like it's somber. I feel like it's like, let's go out there and be great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Never I'm, mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm doubtful of y'all out there. Now, I, I have I have hope. I, I think um, at the end of the day, uh, hopefully it doesn't take something erratic to take place. I think this was enough of that moment that, the, you know, the election hacking of a foreign government was enough of that type of moment. I, I just hope that um, this changes a number of things and how think people think and, and act and respond and interact within our political system. So thank you, Brie, for having this conversation with me and, and breaking down uh how we got to this moment in political history um, and something we should consider as we move forward. Anytime, anytime. Thank you, thank you. All right, I want to thank Bree again for uh, having some of these conversations with me. I, um, I, I need these sometimes because it helps my sanity when dealing with these moments in political history and... Um, coming to terms with how we got to this moment and and how we can navigate uh, moving forward. Um, going back on what I said, I, I think it's I think it's so important that we become politically savvy as we interact with politics in our country. And are we educating ourselves enough? Are we having these conversations enough? Are we holding our government officials responsible? Are we holding them to the powers of their actual office and not having expectations of them that is not in their purview? All of these things are important or questions that we should be asking ourselves, but I don't think we are. And I, I'm hoping that this moment of Donald Trump and this political moment with Republican Party just literally abandoning their duties I hope it opens a lot of people's eyes and the power that they hold and the accountability that we can hold to these government officials when they aren't doing their responsibilities. As always, you can follow me on Salas Corner on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, check out my website, salascorner.com. Email me all your questions, thoughts, ideas, how much you disagree with me at realtalk at salascorner.com. All right, one more thing. Uh, I came across this musician, Joshua Mitchell. He has a submission to NPR Tiny Desk to appear on their concert series. Um, if you haven't checked out NPR's Tiny Desk, they're doing a uh, submission series where they're going to pick the best submissions and feature it on their NPR Tiny Desk. Check it out. The music is always really, really good. Uh, but this is Joshua Mitchell's music on NPR's Tiny Desk. He's going to play us out. Bring out the savage out of me.